Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so this is week three in a message series from the world of baseball, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about something that comes up in baseball uh, quite a bit during a regular season. We're going to talk about anger management and outbursts. Uh, something that takes place quite a bit. If you watch baseball long enough, it's only a matter of time before you see a brawl, uh, you see the be- benches clear and the dugout's empty, and usually, like, that's everyone's favorite part of the game, which is tragic, but there it is. Um, anger for me, as I, as I was kind of thinking through all this and, and, uh, and, and you know, studying and, and putting this message together, it occurred to me that for me, the times when I get most angry are the times when I feel like I'm least in control. So when forces in my life act upon me that I have nothing to say about or that I can't help, those are the times when I'm most prone to get angry. For example, if I'm stuck in traffic, right? If I'm stuck in traffic, like there's someplace I've got to go, and we look, we all live on Long Island. It's reality. It's part of it. You can't get angry every time you're stuck in traffic or you're going to have problems. But, um, you know, for me, I, when I'm stuck in traffic, it feels to me, or, if, or if, I'm, if I'm trapped behind a needlessly slow driver. I know you're out there in your Prius. Just get out of the way. Okay, so if I'm, if I'm trapped behind a needlessly slow driver, if I'm stuck in traffic, forces, are, forces beyond my control are, are, are kind of uh, affecting my life, and it, it, it tends to slow me down. Another thing, I was talking uh, to our, our men's gathering yesterday, it just sort of sucks the life out of me. It sucks the joy out of me. Taxes, right? Something beyond my control that, 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 that when, when they are uh, placed upon my life, feels like I, I have no control over that. It sometimes makes me angry. When my kids get out of control, I have a puppy. I adopted a puppy a couple months ago. Terrible idea. Don't do it. I love her to death. She's wonderful, but she's the master of disaster. It's like, I forgot. I, just, I had a puppy when I was a kid. I forgot. It's like, a, it's like having a little baby for a while. So when things get out of control, when forces beyond our control impact our lives, it tends to make us angry. And that that predilection towards anger is increased if you happen to be a person given to aggression, if you happen to be a person given to uh, quick-tempered behavior, um, that kind of thing can, can, can prove to be a significant issue. Uh, you've all heard of road rage, right? That's when people, that's when traffic gets so crazy, people just start losing their minds. Well, when you think about Major League Baseball, you're gathering like the most aggressive, competitive. Anybody have, anybody have someone in their family that's super, super, super competitive? Is there, there's usually one in every family who's just hyper competitive. Like if you're playing a board game, they, it's important to them that they win. You can always spot the super competitive person at the family picnic because eventually like a volleyball game will break out and, and, and most of the people on the volleyball court in, in somebody's backyard just want to hit the ball back and forth. They just want to have a nice volley and play, but there's, a, there's always one person that's like, okay, what's the score? What's the score? What's the score? Seven serving threes. Here we go. Here we go. And they just, they, it's not fun for them unless they can win. If you have to go someplace, if a bunch of you have to travel someplace, and there are, there's more than one car driving, that person is in a race with you. You don't know that you are, but they know that they are, and it is really important to them that they get there first. Anybody have somebody, I can't quite see, anybody have somebody in their family that's like that? Some of you are like that. And you're mad because I called you out on it. 
When you think about Major League Baseball, right, there are 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Each team is allowed 26 players on its roster. What that means, if you do the math, is that at any given time, there are 780 people who are Major League Baseball players. That is, that, that is the top of a very large pyramid. So starting with the millions and millions of kids who have had that wiffle ball daydream of, you know, hitting a walk-off home run in the World Series and the crowd goes wild, every kid who's ever played stickball, every kid who's ever played wiffle ball, every kid who's ever played Little League, someday dreams of making it to the major leagues, all those millions of kids, some of them make it to JV ball and some of them get on a travel team and some of them make it to play varsity baseball in high school and some of them get to play college ball I mean it gets narrower and narrower after college you might I mean if you really get serious you could play for an independent league like the Ducks repping Long Island right now okay so you, know, you can play for an independent league you might even get into a farm system for a major league team like double a ball and, and uh, single a ball and double a ball and triple a ball but I mean as the pyramid gets to the top when you get to major league baseball it is the 780 most most aggressive most competitive most testosterone pumping and sometimes other steroid pumping guys you've ever met in your life so anger is a thing and often these guys who are who are so driven to win are subject to forces beyond their control in the form of umpires another human being who gets to decide a person who who technically could make mistakes a person is, is enacting a force upon their life that they can't help. So they, they may disagree with a call. That, I mean, most guys know it doesn't really do a lot of good to argue with umpires. Some, sometimes people make themselves known. But we're going to talk this morning, as we're talking about anger management, we're going to look this morning at, I think, the most visceral, like, disturbing display of anger <laughs> perhaps ever seen in Major League Baseball, and I refer, of course, to the George Brett Pine Tar game. Now, I can tell from your silence that most of you are like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Okay, so here's the deal. In the early 1980s, 83, 84, the New York Yankees were playing the, the, uh, the Kansas City Royals, and the star player on the Kansas City Royals was a guy named George Brett. And these guys are in competition, the teams are in competition, and the score is... Um, the, the Royals are down by one, yeah? And George Brett gets up in the bottom of the ninth and hits what he believes to be a walk-off home run. So the game is over. The manager of the Yankees, then Billy Martin, runs out and asks for an examination of the bat because George Brett appears to have used pine tar on his bat in a way that was illegal. Now, pine tar is a grip enhancer that you're allowed to use in the lower part of the bat, but it's not allowed to be used north of a certain position on the bat because it could impact the way the bat hits the ball. Billy Martin calls this out after George Brett perceives himself to have won the game-winning home run, and what happens next is history. We're going to show you a video uh, of it. Just take a quick look, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Take a peek. All right. So you may be angry, but you've never been George Brett in the pine tar game angry. That dude, if somebody doesn't get in the way, that dude straight up rips off that, that umpire's head, right? So here's the deal. Anger is something that touches each of our lives, but 
we have to, when, when it happens, understand what's happening, happening and learn how not to just react, but to respond. There are going to be things in our life that occur that, that might, under some circumstances, cause us to become angry. That is a normal part of life. And understand this, it's not a sin to be angry, but anger can very easily lead, lead us to sin. So we're going to take a look at a few verses to talk about how the scripture nudges us and encourages us to deal with our anger when it comes up in our life. This is Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So anger and rage are things to be nudged to the side. These are things to, to, to be pushed aside if you're a believer. Now, that doesn't mean you can never be angry about anything. Our goal in this, because let's be honest, there are things that make God angry, yes? There are things that make God angry in the world. Our goal, if you're a believer, if you're kind of connected with God and walking with God, our goal is to be angry only with the things that anger the Lord. To be angry only with things that anger God. When injustice happens, when someone is picked on, when someone victimizes another, when someone hurts another, when sin impacts the world within and without, when, when, when terrible things happen to other people, these are things that anger the Lord. When God's name is dishonored, these are things that anger the Lord. So we're called to be angry with things that anger the Lord. But, but that rage and that, that, that loss of control is, is to have no place in the life of a believer. And very quickly, the scripture, and often, connects anger to our tongue. Listen to this in the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And I'm going to read you another verse from James in just a second here, and I want you to notice that these verses both connect anger to our words. They both connect anger to, to our tongue, to what we say. Listen to this. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 26. This is, this is a big deal. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. You claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue. Your religion is worthless. You're fooling yourself, says James. Now, I know most of us don't claim to be religious. We claim to be spiritual. But what James is saying is if you're, if you're following Jesus, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, if, you've, if you self-identify as a believer, if you self-identify as a Christian, and you have no control over your tongue, now some of that is relative to anger, some of it is relative to gossip, but like what you say is to indicate what's happening in your heart, yes? What we say, what comes out of our mouth is an indicator of what's going on inside. So this is, this is James 
the biological brother of Jesus saying to you and saying to me, listen, if you claim to be a believer and you are running your mouth all the time, if you're gossiping about people, if you're, if you're slandering people, if, if it's in your nature to vent at people or to be angry at people or to, to, to flip everybody off on the highway the minute they drive in a way that displeases you, if, if anger is what is constantly coming out of you and you're claiming to be a believer, you, your religion is worthless. You, another way to say it would be you have no kung fu. You have no kung fu. Your religion is worthless. You're just, you're just running your mouth. There's nothing there. So if we're following God and if we're honoring God with our lives, that is supposed to be something that people can observe by the way we speak. Yes? That's something we're supposed to... In fact, if you're here today and you're new to faith or you're new uh, to... You're just sticking your toe in the water. You you maybe wouldn't self-identify as a Christian. You're not sure what you believe. If you're in that category this morning, I would guess that one of the reasons why you're not a believer is because you've known some people that self-identified as Christians and ran their mouth all the time in such a way that it dishonored God. And this is what the watching world simply finds not credible. This is, what, this is what unbelieving people simply find unbelievable. That a person could claim to honor God with their life and claim to be a believer and then behave this way or that way. This is what James is calling out. It's hypocrisy and we need to pay attention to it. This is not a small thing to, to the Lord. Now once in a while you'll hear somebody say, oh, they just made me so angry. They just made me angry. Anybody got some, you know, don't raise your hand on this one, but anybody got somebody in their life who just, they're angry a lot, but they blame it on another person or another situation. They say, oh, they, they just made me so angry. The situation just made me angry. I got really angry because of work. Something, in other words, some other force impacted my life and triggered me, and now I just couldn't help it. They made me angry. You made me angry. If you are using that kind of language or you know somebody that's using that kind of language, understand something. And this is a big concept. Nobody can make you angry without your permission. Nobody can make you angry without your permission. If you allowed yourself to become angry at something, it's because you engaged in a process or because you simply don't have control over that part of your life. And that's something we're called to have control over. When you look at the, 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 the people that changed the world, and I'll, I'll jump in for a minute to the civil rights movement, guys like Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela, who was imprisoned on Robben Island for decades of his life in, in, in the apartheid system in South Africa, once said, I will never let a man lower me so much as to make me hate him. We get to decide how we're going to respond to stimulus. Things in the world are going to happen to you. You are going to be stuck in traffic at some point in your life. Your taxes are going to go up. Your kids are going to get out of control. And your puppy's going to poop on the floor for the ninth time today. 
At some point, things in your life are going to happen to you, and, and there are going to be issues in your life that, that you feel like, like, like your, things are getting out of control, and you are, in reaction to that stimulus, in response to that stimulus, going to produce something. You get to decide what happens in that moment. Nobody can make you angry unless you decide that, it's, that, that you will allow that. And some of you have been allowing it for so long, it feels like you don't have a choice anymore, but you do. You do. And with God's help, that's something that you can change. That's something that you can work on. And it's Ephesians chapter 4. Let me let the scriptures do the speaking. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Don't sin by letting anger control you. So interesting, don't sin by letting anger control you. It doesn't say that being angry is a sin. There are times when anger is appropriate. There are times if someone's being picked on, if someone's being victimized, if there's injustice near you, if, 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 the things that anger the Lord are appropriate things to be angry about. But don't sin by letting anger control you when you just give into it, when you just rage out. Or when you allow that thing to take hold. It says anger gives a foothold to the devil. Interesting words there, right? A foothold to the devil. What is a foothold? Well, if you've ever gone rock climbing or tried to climb something, you know that when you climb something, you need a place to, to, to hook your hand into or a, a, a place to put your foot. That's what rock climbers are constantly looking for. So the imagery, it says don't give the devil a foothold. The image is like the, the enemy is trying to climb up your heart. The enemy's trying to get on top of you. The, em the enemy's trying to get, get a hold of you. And when you give in to anger and you let that rule your life, you're just giving him a hand. You're like, oh, right this way, enemy. Go ahead and take control. Here's a hand up. Here's a boost. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, from time to time, anger's appropriate. Some of you... The, 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 the favorite life verse of angry people is the verse where Jesus flipped over the tables of the money changer, money changers in the Gospel of Matthew. Do you remember that verse? Right? Jesus, the, the money changers are, are, are making it difficult for people to, to come to the temple. That, that Jesus' anger is not about the fact that somebody was, was, was what they were earning. This was about the fact that they were making it difficult for people to come and worship God. And he gets ticked about it and starts flipping over tables. But understand this and get it clear in your head. Jesus never loses control. It says in the scriptures... Before he flipped over the tables, he braided a whip to drive out the money changers. He braided a whip. He didn't just grab one, he made one. That is a slow, methodical, controlled act. He knew exactly what he was doing because anger was called for in that moment. We're called in life to be people of peace. Maybe you've heard of that. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is the gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. 
to work for peace, to not be, let me say it another way, to not be an instigator. You know what an instigator is, right? Not the one that starts the fight, it's the person that helps the fight get started. If you're young, this is going to seem really weird to you. But when I was in high school, sometimes there were fights. People hit each other. And th there was nothing. I mean, I can still vividly remember so many instances in our high school cafeteria, in the courtyard, in the area outside the school, wherever you might have been. There was no word that got the attention of everybody in the room quite like the word shouted by whoever was nearest when they jumped up on the table and went fight everybody stopped what they were doing and turned to look now sometimes people were already in it and sometimes and understand this let's just tee up for a minute everybody was okay afterwards Nobody needed to go to therapy. Everybody was all right. In fact, most of the time when two people fought, they, they just ended up friends afterwards and respected each other more, and nobody got expelled, and nobody needed a helmet, and it was okay. <laughs> but usually, right before the fight, the two people who were about to square off would find that there was someone to their left or their right whispering to them. This always seemed to happen. Yo, man, you gonna let him get away with that? You gonna, you heard what he said about your mom? That's not cool. You better, you know, like, there, there'd always be somebody like pushing. Do you have, if you have multiple kids, have you found that there's one who's the instigator? Here's what I've observed right now. Social media is packed with instigators. Have you noticed this? Everybody on social media wants to pick a fight with you or wants to encourage you to pick a fight with somebody else. And this is not of God. Blessed are those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Anger with you can be constructive or destructive. About six weeks ago, we talked in the book of Ecclesiastes about the difference between Mount St. Helens and Mount Kilauea. Do you remember that? Volcanoes can be, can be incredibly destructive or they can actually build and be constructive. Let your anger, when it comes, when it happens, be something that builds up the world around you, not something that destroys the world around you. And make it your prayer Say, God, make me angry with only the things that make you angry. And next time you're stuck in traffic or your taxes go up or your kids do what they do or your puppy does what it does or whatever it is in your, or the umpire calls you out when you were safe or whatever it is that happens in your life that makes you angry, take a breath and get a little perspective check. What works for me sometimes is to thank God for the life that I have. And for you, you might begin and just say, God, thank you that I wasn't born in Darfur or Somalia or Mogadishu or Kinshasa or Southern Sudan or any one of the places in the world where people have had forces beyond their control impacting their lives their entire life. 
We have a lot to be grateful for, and we're called in our world to glorify God and work for peace. May it be so in all of our lives as we deal with our stresses and trials and anger. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to connect with you this morning and to hear from you. Father, at times we all get angry, we just get ticked, we get frustrated, and there's a lot to be angry about right now in the world. Help us, Father, one moment at a time, one day at a time, to glorify you even when we're frustrated. And Father, to become angry only with the things that anger you. Short of that, help us, Father, to respond and not react. Help us, Father, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.